Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library. Hey friends, thanks for joining Walt and me today. My name is Brenda McCord. We will continue our journey through Psalms today, and we will stop off in Psalm number 76. But before we begin that psalm, Walt and I were reminiscing. Uh, We grew up in the mountains of north central Pennsylvania, a little town of Troy, one traffic light, no Pizza Hut, no McDonald's. Um, And I don't think we really thought very much about traveling to other places in the world. In fact, I was 21 years old when I boarded an airplane in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and flew to Manila, Philippines. That was the very first time I ever sat down on an airplane. And I still remember I got in my seat. I had a window seat. I buckled my seatbelt and I just started to cry. (laughs) I wasn't really sure what I was doing. What are you doing? (laughs) Yeah. Well, then even more humorous, as I said to you, well, Walt, when was your first? I mean, you think I would have asked you this a long time ago, but you don't even really recall. Yeah, it was lame compared (laughs) to your flight to Manila. My first airplane flight was really lame. (laughs) Well, we fast forward, and in our years of marriage, we've been blessed to go on a number of mission trips. Walt, you've taken some amazing trips to um, teach pastors in the Ukraine, and uh, we've been to Italy, and as well as to, of course, Israel. We've gone there probably about 30 trips and traveled with hundreds of people who wanted to experience the Holy Land through the pages of the Bible. We always tell them the Bible is going to be our roadmap yeah, while we're it, here. It goes from black and white on a page to full color. And maybe some of you might travel with us when we head off to Israel, possibly next year. So we want to go to Psalm 76. And this particular psalm is in, ascribed to Asaph. So this possibly could be an Asaph in David's time, uh, someone who was serving in the royal court, serving in leading in worship and participating in worship. But most likely, this psalm was written later in Israel's history. So it would be another person serving in this position as Asaph. And so ascribed to Asaph and written to be sung, this psalm celebrates the victorious power of the Almighty God of Israel. And even as we started the psalm, that that aspect of God, um, we proclaim your greatness, that you are awesome in power and in deed. And this idea of God in Judah, um, the name there used of God is Elohim, the, the strong creator God. Um, God is known, and again, that word uh, yada means intimate knowledge. God intimately knows his people. Um, his name, the honor and the authority, the character of God, it's great in Israel. His tabernacle in Salem, his dwelling place in Zion, um, he shoots arrows like firebolts, like lightning from his bow, and his shield uh, protects and his sword attacks. Um, The whole idea of the tabernacle in Salem, that's an early name for Jerusalem. 
And if you did like to read a little bit more about that, in Genesis 14, Abraham has just retur- returned from defeating these enemies to the east. And, and as he does that, he comes to Salem and he meets a priest king named Melchizedek. And, and he's the king of Salem, and, and Abraham tithes to him out of what they were able to take from these kings of the, the east that they were able to defeat. And he really, this is the idea that Melchizedek was a priest of God Most High. Um, later on, David gets to that place, and, and he remembers that it was here that, that Abraham was ready to sacrifice Isaac. And he buys this land, and, and, that, and it becomes a permanent dwelling place where they put the, the table, the tabernacle, not, and, the, and the table of showbread, and all the various implements, and the Ark of the Covenant. Um, Zion, this, this is a picture of a lion crouching on Mount Zion, that, that God is like that. He's ready to pounce from Mount Zion on all who would destroy him. And, I think that that even sets the stage for maybe some of the background of this psalm. I'm reminded of Psalm 27.5, for it says, For in the day of trouble he will conceal me in his tabernacle. In the secret place of his tent he will hide me. He will lift me up on a rock. And this imagery of, of the comfort of God, of the power of God, of his ability to protect his people. Um, that's this first section. And then it ends with Selah. Pause, reflect, think deeply. God is awesome in his power, and we need to take time to reflect on this truth in the midst of a world that has all kinds of statements of what power really should be like. God is awesome in his power. Yeah, and I love as those first three verses end that we're called to pause and to stop and our world rushes us on. There's always something more to do. And as you have explained, it is this table here is set for us now that that we have a God who we can have an intimate relationship with and his name is wonderful and he has a place where he lives, his dwelling place. And he is a glorious God. And now we move into the next few verses where we see that we can praise God for his wonderful deeds. And I love the words. They are they are just such rich words. You are resplendent. You are more majestic. That idea of resplendent is glorious and excellent. Majestic is to possess dignity, to be grand. And then that comparison, more than the mountains. You know, have you ever visited mountains? Possibly in the United States, you've been to different mountain ranges. If you've been fortunate to travel around the world or live somewhere else in the world, you've seen other beautiful mountain ranges and they take our breath away. They are majestic. I remember um, one summer, a very memorable summer, riding bike from the Atlantic Ocean to the Pacific Ocean with a group of teenagers. And as we came across the plains of Kansas and crossed the state line into Colorado, looming in front of us to the west were the Rocky Mountains. And I remember as we rode closer to them, they were amazing. And I think it's interesting that God here compares his, 
you're resplendent, you're more majestic than the mountains, the mountains he created. And we know that we are to fear this honored and awesome name, the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 28, 58 tells us. And then in Isaiah 42, 8, I love this verse, I am the Lord Yahweh, that is my name. I will not give my glory to another, nor my praise to graven images. The beauty of God's creation should always draw us to praise him, to worship him, that our focus turns to God as we look at the mountains, as we look at his creation. And then we know that God helps his people in battle, even as verse three pointed out the flaming arrows and the shield and the sword. We see also in verse six, the rider and the horse were cast into dead sleep. You know, we see the it, back in Exodus, remember, as Israel came up against the Red Sea, God parted the sea. And then as the Egyptian army in their chariots, riding their horses, they ran into the Red Sea. And then the Lord confounded the enemy and he drowned them. They slept in the Red Sea. God helps his people in battles. What battles are you facing today? What struggles, what trials are in front of you? They come in our life. They're part of life on this earth. And we worship a God who is personal. He is a relational God. God declares he is powerful. He has strength. He is mighty. And he will draw close to us even as we offer worship and praise to him. And along with that awesome aspect of, of God, um, the next verses 7 through 10 talk about the judgment of God. Mm-hmm. You yourself are to be feared. And the, the Hebrew is simple, but very emphatic. Atah nor atah, which thou art terrible, thou art. Thou art terrible, thou art. And this re- this reminder, whenever we see that repetition, it's stressing something. That, that God is resplendent. Um, in his power. And with that, the idea of what what is the setting of this? Well, um, Jewish theologians say that Psalm 75 and Psalm 76, both of them have a setting in the victory of God over the forces of the Assyrian army. And this was in 701 BC. And, and remember, 20 years earlier, the Assyrian army had wiped out the northern 10 tribes of Israel. And because of this, the Assyrians come, uh, they battle their way through Israel, defeating everyone. Um, It's so um, complex that as they come to the the city of Lachish, they they defeat the second largest city in Israel, and they take over 200,000 into slavery. They kill probably almost an equal amount, um, representing um, a good almost one-third of the nation of Israel was either um, killed or taken into slavery. And, and, and conquering these northern ten tribes and then co- going down and defeating the Egyptians, uh, the Assyrian army comes back and, and they come to Jerusalem and they surround it and they say, we're going to wipe you out. And if you would like to read more or a parallel passage, 
Isaiah 36 and 37 and 2 Kings 18 and 19 talk about Sennacherib coming to Jerusalem and basically saying, look, there's no other gods, there's no other kings, there's no other nations that have been able to defeat us, and we will defeat you, and our gods are better than your gods. Oops, <laughs> big mistake, because now he's invoked the name of God Almighty and King Hezekiah and his prophet Isaiah go before the Lord and they lay out the terms of surrender. And they say, God, what are you going to do? And that very night, um, between dusk and dawn, the Lord defeats the Assyrian army and they go back to Assyria um, really in shame. That's the power. That's the authority of God as judge. And, and sometimes we, as we walk through this world, we don't see that always. We, God, why don't you come down and judge? Well, he will. He can, he must because of his very character. I love when Isaiah says this about the people needing to remember to rouse yourself, rouse yourself and arise, O Jerusalem. You've drunk from the Lord's hand the cup of his anger. Because of their disobedience during this time period, they were being punished or divinely spanked. But this whole idea of God's anger, this cup, is a cup of a chalice of reeling you've drained to the dregs. God is mighty. God is powerful. God is a warrior. And just even in these these passages, um, there's judgment from heaven. Judgment is repeated twice in verse 8 and in verse 9. And then verse 10, wrath is repeated twice. The whole idea is when God gets angry at a people, uh, they're going to get divinely spanked. Stop. And then we have that wonderful word, Selah. Stop. Pause. Reflect, think deeply that God is the ultimate and authoritative judge. And as we even see that second Selah in this psalm, I'd like us right now to pause and listen to some verses from Psalm 99 that actually restate in an amazing way these words toward God. The Lord sits in majesty in Jerusalem, exalted above all the nations. Let them praise your great and awesome name. Your name is holy. Mighty God, lover of justice, you have established fairness. You have acted with justice and righteousness throughout Israel. Exalt the Lord our God bow low before his feet, for he is holy. And as we conclude this psalm, verses 11 and 12, we're told to honor the, the Lord God who rules over all. And really, it's an invitation to actively move towards God. This eternal, all-powerful being loves when we come to him. And it says, here's two ways we can come to him, uh, through the action of making a vow to the Lord and, and then fulfilling them. That, that's one aspect of worship as we come to God Almighty. And, and another aspect is we bring gifts to the Lord. Um, we're worshiping the Lord through our giving. And, and that's another aspect of worship. But as I'm thinking about the vows and making vows before the Lord, I, I just was prompted to remember, what's the last promise or vow I made to God? And, and how much progress have I made in fulfilling it? Um, and maybe it was saying I was going to read through the Bible in a year. And I've read through the Bible a number of times, but I've never seemingly made it in one year. Um, what does it look like to be consistent? Or having a more regular prayer time or a more regular um, time of studying the Word. 
Um, but it could even be um, acts of kindness and generosity. Lord, I want to be more kind and generous. I want to be more loving to those around me. Um, those are aspects of our response to the majesty of God. Uh, worship, it's, it's the response of a believer to the majesty, the greatness of the living true God. And I love the old English word for worship. Uh, it, it means worthship. God is worthy of our worship. Um, he is, our wor- worship is a response to the true greatness of God Almighty. And we worship the God of Jacob, who is victorious. Even as you shared in that middle section of verses today, he is a victorious God. When we study the Old Testament, we can see literal victories in battle. He is a righteous judge, and he still will fulfill all of those promises that he made. He will judge and he will be victorious in the end. He's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And I also enjoy worshiping the Lord with music and with songs. You know, when I'm driving in the car, I listen to K-Love and one song in particular by Elevation Worship that has encouraged me recently is called Sea of Victory. And it's interesting because when I get in Brenda's car and I start it up, it's always Caleb, and it's always loud, and 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 she's playing this these songs um, that just remind her of truths about the Lord. So these words in Sea of Victory: the weapon may be formed, but it won't prosper. The God I serve oh, knows only how to triumph. I'm going to see a victory. Why? Because the battle belongs to you, Lord. So I encourage you to listen to that song, See a Victory by Elevation Worship. It draws our focus to a victorious God. Our God is known, verse 1. His name is great. He is majestic. He is awesome. Who can stand in his presence? He alone is worthy of our praise. We're going to have troubles, battles. We're going to face struggles in this life. But we know we can always turn to our victorious God. We look forward to our next time together. And until then, may you continue to walk with God. Thank you for joining us as we walk with God. This is Brenda McCord for The Awakening in America, an outreach of the Himmelreich Memorial Christian Library.